Lord, how can we ever comprehend that truth? That we in our sinfulness, we left to our own demise, had no hope. No hope for eternity. No hope for eternal life. No hope to ever spend our endless existence with you. And so you did what we couldn't do for ourselves. You sent a Savior to our world, Jesus, who willingly died on the cross. And as that hymn says, paid it all. Paid everything that you demanded for the forgiveness of sin. And that through our faith in what Jesus already did, you have offered us the gift of eternal life. A gift. Something that we don't deserve, but something that you give us out of your love. We thank you for that gift today. Lord, my prayer is for any man or woman here today who's not received that gift, that today might be the day of their salvation. We pray this prayer. We ask you now to open our minds to your word once again. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Be seated. We certainly do hope that everyone here has trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you're new to the journey of faith and new to trying to to seek a relationship with God, know that it all starts at the cross at what Jesus did. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever will believe in him will never perish but have eternal life. See, it's what Jesus has done for us, and it's just putting our faith in what he's already done. And when we do that, The Bible declares that he gives us the gift of forgiveness, the gift of eternal life. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourself. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. If you've never trusted Christ, you you could do it right now by just simply opening up your heart, opening up your faith to him and saying, Jesus, I get it. You're the only way. Jesus, be my Savior. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. See, that gets us ready for this event that we've been talking about in this series, The Rapture. A sudden, instantaneous transformation and transporting of all believers who are alive and and the bodies of those who have, have died before Jesus returns up to be with him to ever be with the Lord. Now, when that happens, and during a time that we call the tribulation period, we are going to be rewarded by Jesus Christ. In Revelation chapter 22, verse 12, Jesus says, Behold, I'm coming soon. Now, I know for us it's been 2,000 years, and we don't look at that as being soon. But the truth of the matter is, God is timeless. Jesus is timeless. He doesn't carry a wristwatch. And so, so a day is like a 1,000 years, and a 1,000 years are like a day to him. So Jesus, when he finally does come back, it's going to seem like to him he never left. And he's coming soon. And I really believe he can come in our lifetime. And he says this about when he comes. He says, And my reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he's done. Well, I wonder if we can just capture that scene when Jesus rewards those who are his children. Friday night, it was Valentine's Day, and we had a banquet here and a little dance, and it was really kind of neat where uh, Carol Swinson, who was filling in for Al, who got snowed in 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 New York, and Bonnie, Al's wife, was helping, and they had a little request form that couples could do and and dedicate a song to, and and so, you know, every... All night long, we had these requests coming through, and people would say, you know, I want to dedicate to my wife of 41 years this song, and then play the song, and that couple would come out, and when that couple would come out, everyone would just start clapping and going, oh, wonderful, and all that, you know, and all night that went on, you know, I want to dedicate to my husband, I want to dedicate to my wife, and, and it was just an amazing experience, and it reminded me of what this is going to be like. 
even more the Olympics. I don't know if you're watching the Olympics, but you know, when, when an athlete wins and stands on that podium, either for the gold or the silver or the bronze, and people are cheering wildly. And, and for the one who, who wins the gold, the national anthem of their country is being played. What a celebration it is. Well, this celebration is going to pale those celebrations like, like, like they are meaningless. And you're going to be a part of that celebration. And you will have your moment on the reward stand. And, and, and as we approach, I believe there'll be people cheering for us as we celebrate what God has done for, for all of us. But we're reminded in this series that not everyone's experience is going to be the same. And that what we're doing right now, every day, will largely determine our eternal experience. Jesus says, I'm coming soon. Now, what we've been focused on, we can't review everything we've done in the series, obviously. We're at the end of the series now. We have this week and next week. But we've been talking about and answering the question, what will we be rewarded for? When Jesus comes back and we stand before him on that podium to be rewarded, what are going to be the criteria? What's the criteria that he's going to use to reward us for? Not for our salvation. That's his gift to us. We can't say, well, I trust that you as you say. He's not going to reward us for that. He gave us that. That's a gift. So he says, well, I'm going to give everyone according to what they've done. In other words, how we've invested this life for the glory of Jesus Christ. So far, we've seen that it will be evaluated on our family buy-in. Because John one twelve says, yet to as many as received him, to those who believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. When we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior, we don't become part of a religious movement. We are adopted into God's family. And, and, and Jesus, uh, when asked what the greatest commandment was, many times said, said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And, and so, you know, once we are adopted in the family, God's watching and says, okay, what does that really mean to you? Do you, do you, like so many people, just take that gift of eternal life that I've given you and use it like a, some kind of a fire insurance policy against hell and say, well, I'm not going to hell, I'm going to heaven, hallelujah, and then that's it? And, and God just becomes a compartment in your life, like everything else? Or do we value that family name? Does that family name make a difference in our life? And are we proud of it? And does it move us to action? Does it cause us to want to spread the name of our Father everywhere we go and in everything we do? And we talked about we'll be evaluated on our personal productivity during this life. The Bible says in John 15, 8, Jesus speaking again says, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Or you could say, showing yourselves to be my family members. See, when we really buy in to the family and we make the family not just a compartment in our life, but when we make it our, our living experience and we bring God into every area of our lives, then the natural result is we're going to be fruitful for him. We'll have attitude fruit. Some of the attitudes that are destructive and, and that, that we might have previously embraced, we'll be wounded and we'll be, we'll be convicted about that and we'll want to change. We'll want to kind of modify those tempers and we'll want to be more patient and loving like Galatians says, the fruit of the spirits, Galatians chapter 5. Then there's action fruit that we talked about, about praising him, being proud of his name and, and not being secret members of the family, but being bold members of the family and defending his name and honoring his name and sharing his name. 
We talked about action fruit of, of, of sacrificial love and doing things for other people to help them in their hard times. See, that's what Matthew 25 is all about. When I was sick, you, you fed me or you, you, you cared for me. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. See, every time we do things for other people and sacrifice a little bit of our own comfort, our own resources for someone else, that's a reward. That's an opportunity for God to reward us. So our personal productivity. Now, last week, we talked about our management reliability. And we were reminded that Psalm chapter 24, verse 1 says, it says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. In other words, everything is God's. Now, the resources Christ trusts us with are only ours in the sense that we have been entrusted with them. They're not really ours, they're his. But he gives us a portion of what, his is, what, what is his to manage for him, and then he watches what we do with it. Because that's going to determine what positions and what opportunities we will have as we reign with him in the millennial kingdom for a thousand years after his return here on earth. And then how we're going to spend our eternal existence in the eternal kingdom. Remember, we're not going to be floating on clouds playing harps. We have responsibilities. We'll have things to do. And the level of those opportunities are being determined right now. What are we doing with our money? That's really his money. He allocates a part of that to us. What are we doing with our abilities? Are really his abilities because, because he has given us talents. He knitted us together when we are in our mom's womb. Our time is really his time. Our spiritual gifts, what he gives us, what are we doing with those? How do we manage those? Because that will determine what he can entrust to us in the eternal kingdom. Now, you know, some folks make a mistake, by the way, and say, well, you know, I'll choose, uh, I'll give him some of my time, which will include some of my abilities, but, you know, I'm, I'm not really comfortable with that whole spiritual gift thing, and, and my money, you know, my money's my money, and I'm not going to get involved. No, 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 no. You can't pick and choose. You can't say, well, I won't give give my tithe, but I'll give my time. Well, but you're going to be evaluated on all of them. And so whenever we we opt out of them, we are robbing ourselves of opportunities and rewards. See, we're robbing ourselves of them. Because when we stand before the Lord, he's not going to be able to, to reward us for things that we didn't do. See, that's what Jesus is saying in Luke chapter 16, verse 10 through 12. He says, whoever can be trusted with very little can be also trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will be dishonest with much. Now he switches to eternity. He says, so if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? In other words, if if I've seen that you can't handle it here, well, you're not going to be able to handle it there either. And he says, if, if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? Remember that the Bible talks about the new heaven and the new earth and, and that the kings of earth will, will bring their splendor into the holy city. Well, that means that we're going to have national identities and we're going to have things, we're going to live places and we're going to have things to do. And, and all of that is being determined to a high degree on what we're doing with what he has entrusted to us right now. See, again, what does Psalm say? The earth is the Lord's. It's not ours. It's his. And he's saying, okay, I've given you this much, and I've given you this much, and I've given you a little bit over here. Now, let me see how you manage that, because that will be a window 
into your capability and your trust and your dedication to me, your family buy-in, so that I can justifiably bless you and give you opportunities for eternity. Now today I want to talk about yet another area. And that area is faithful perseverance. This is another area and we stand on that reward. Now remember, it's a reward platform, not a punishment platform. But it's a reward platform where he will give us as we have justly deserved. Not everybody in the Olympic gets a gold medal because not everyone ran the fastest race or skied the fastest time or, 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 or whatever it was, see? And so, same things would be true here. And so, faithful perseverance. Now, now, look at something that might surprise you. Paul, in writing now to the Christians in the city of Philippi, in his New Testament manuscript that we call the book of Philippians, he says this in chapter 1, verse 29. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him. Do you get that? You know, we, we love to focus on that first part. That has been granted to us on behalf of Christ, what he did on the cross, for us to believe on him. And that gives us eternal life, and we celebrate that. We go, we don't have to worry about being separated from for all eternity. We're going to spend our eternity with him in the new earth and in the heavenly kingdom and the holy city. Paul says, yeah, that's the cool part. He said, but there's another cool part. He says that you've also been called to suffer for him. That's part of the family arrangement. That's part of the earth experience. In fact, Peter, one of the original 12 disciples, the bold one, the most vocal of them, the kind of the leader of the disciple band, in his New Testament manuscript that we call the book of 1 Peter because it's the first of two letters that he wrote, Peter declares this in, in that first letter, chapter 4, verse 12. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. You know, what I love about our faith and what I love about the Bible, what I love about Jesus and I love about the inspiration of the Holy Spirit inspiring apostles like Peter to write these things is how honest God is about our relationship with him and our experience in this life. He, he says, don't be surprised. When bad things happen, it's like something strange happening. Why, why you think because you're part of the family that, that, that you're immune to, to all the circumstances and the trials and the tribulations of this life? Jesus wasn't. He was the son of God when he came. He said, so when things start going bad, don't, don't start you know, looking, well, what's going on? You know, why is this happening to me? He said, James, the half-brother of Jesus, in his New Testament manuscript, says this in James chapter 1, verse 2 and 4. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Notice he says trials of many kinds. He says not, not whenever a trial hits you once in, once in life. He says when you face many different kinds of trials. And why is he saying that? Because we're going to face many different kinds of trials. He says count it pure joy. Well, why would we count that joy? He says because he goes on to say, you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now, not lacking anything, mature and complete for what? For the day when our name is announced and we step on the reward platform. And we won't be lacking anything. 
See, we'll be ready for that day. We'll be mature. We'll have been made complete. And Jesus will therefore be able to look at us with those piercing eyes of love and say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter now into the glory that I prepared for you before the foundation of the world. So you'll be ready. You'll be complete. Peter, in that first letter again in chapter 1, begin, verse 6 this time says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Again, what does he say? All kinds. All kinds of things are going to happen. That's what's going to characterize this life that we call this, this earthly life. He says it's not going to all be mountaintops. It's not going to all be gardens of roses. He says when you face trials of all kinds, no, no, it's just for a little while. Now, even for those whose, whose entire life is characterized by, by one hardship after another, and many people live their existence like that, he says it's a little while compared to endless time. It's just a little while. He says, these have come so that your faith, there's a reason, see, there's a purpose why we have been called not only to rejoice with believing on Jesus, but also to suffer with him. It says, these have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. See, one of the ways that we demonstrate that our faith is genuine, that our family buy-in is complete, that, that, that we really have not just taken advantage of an opportunity to escape hell, but that we have gone all in for our Savior. One of the ways that we demonstrate the fact, the truthfulness of that, is by faithfully enduring the hard times that will come to every single one of us. You've heard me say before, and I'll say many times again if the Lord allows me to, that there's three kinds of people sitting here this morning. One group of people here today are in a trial right now. Your life is characterized by some difficulty, be it relational or be it vocational or financial or, or, or be it your health situation. And, and right now, you're, you're, you're in a tough time. Th then there's folks here today who are just getting out of one of those tough times. You, you, you've gone through a tough time, and, and now your circumstances are changing, and, and, and now there's a light at the end of the tunnel, and, and all that pain and all that uncertainty, and that, that, that trial is, is passed, and, and now you're kind of going back up the mountain, and you got a brush, fresh, fresh air, and things are going a lot better for you. And, and thank the Lord that he doesn't leave us in the valley, right? Now, the third group are those who everything's going pretty good now. But unbeknownst to you, you're heading back into a trial. Because it's going to happen again. Because that's life. And that's what Scripture honestly tells us, that when we face trials of many kinds, what's really happening is it's another evaluation time. It's another time when God's going to say, okay, 
You've, you, you've, you've done, you've succeeded here. You've had victory here. You've had victory in this race. You've had victory in that race. Now, now here's another opportunity to have victory. Here's another opportunity to demonstrate that your faith is genuine to me. But even more so, it demonstrates that our faith is genuine to other people. Because it's easy to sing praises to the Lord. It's easy to, to honor him. It's easy to brag about him when things are going good in our life and say, God is just so good. But when the trials come, see, that's when people are really looking at our lives to see, is your faith real? Where you're, will you be just as proud of God? Will you be just as praiseful now as you were when everything was going your way? See, it's another opportunity to prove our faith genuine, to prove that there's power in our life that is given to us divinely by God, and it's not of ourselves, because if it, we were just trying to get through this trial by ourselves, we'd be like most other people who just fall into despair and depression and allow it to overcome us. But there's yet another reason that we're called to not only enjoy adoption with Christ, but to suffer with him. And I think it's the larger reason of the two. Paul reveals that reason to us in the book of 2 Corinthians, his second New Testament manuscript, another letter that he wrote to believers who were living in Corinth. And in, in this particular letter, in chapter 1, beginning in verse 3, he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Now let me read that last part again. Who comforts us in all our troubles, all our trials, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. God allows us to experience trials of many kinds so that we have learned how to live through that trial. So we've learned how to persevere in our faith during that trial. Because God knows that there's going to be a lot of other people in the church who are going to go through that same trial. And when they do, they're going to need a support system. They're going to need some folks who really know what they're going through to come alongside them and put an arm around them and tell them, listen, I, I know what you're experiencing. I know what you're feeling. Not, not through some platitude like we often say, well, it must be very difficult for you, and we've never experienced that. And so people are looking at us going, you don't know. But when they come across another person, been through it and they go yeah you do know you, you, you do know what it's like to lose a spouse because you, you lost yours Yeah, you, you do know what it's like to go through financial hard times because you went through some really hard financial times yeah you do know what it's like to, to worry about employment because you, I remember a time you were unemployed for a long time and, and see we, we, we know how to do that now now, now I, I can really offer some of you comfort that God has given me in some of my trials. I, I, I can tell you about some health issues. 
I, I, I can tell you how God comforted me through those health issues. I, I, I can talk to you about some, some, some major challenges that, that I've gone through in my life. And I can tell you exactly about it because I lived it. And I saw the power of God in my life to bring me through it. But there's other things, although I can be sympathetic with you and to a degree empathetic with you, I really can't relate. Those who have lost your spouse, I've not lost my spouse. Those who have been through a divorce, I've never been through a divorce. Those who have had to battle some life-threatening disease, I, I haven't had to do that. And so I can pray with you and I I, I can love on you. But boy, you come around a believer who has persevered in faith through those same circumstances. And they can say, not only do I know how you feel, let me tell you what you can do. Let me tell you what the Lord's going to do. Let me tell you how to faithfully persevere through this time. See, that's my vision for the future of our church. And we're, we're getting so much closer to actually executing that vision of having, having groups for, for all people who have gone through all kinds of trials and have folks who have gone through those trials be part of those groups so that, that we can reach out and, and help people to, to receive healing emotionally and spiritually. See, so God is allowing you to go through that trial right now that you're going through for a reason. One, it's to prove your, your, the genuineness of your faith so that he can justifiably reward you. But it's not just for the hereafter. It's for the now and nasty. And so when we go through trials, look for opportunities to reach out to other people going through that trial. I hear stories of, of folks who are going through uh, dialysis and they're, they're hooked up and, and they're talking to other people and they're comforting other people and they're praising the Lord and all that kind of stuff and the stories that come out of that, see? See, so God will use the comfort he will give you and he will give you that comfort if you turn to him. Oftentimes we, we go to the phone and we turn to everyone but God. And so we're on our own. God will say, okay, we'll go ahead and try it on your own. I'm not going to impose myself on you, but, but then I talk to people who, who really give it to God. I was talking to a man in the parking lot just, just the other day, going through a very, very challenging time in life. But he said, you know what? He, he says, I, I, I just have my praise time with the Lord. I just get in the house, and I start singing songs, and I start reading Scripture out loud. He says, he says and it's scaring me what's going on. He said, I'm not worried at all. He said, I've got this complete peace. And he says, he said, I'm just having these wonderful times with Jesus, and I'm learning more about the Holy Spirit. And, and see, he turned to Christ, and Christ then showed him the power that is within him to persevere. And so this morning, you're going through a hard time. Persevere. And look around you, because the hard time that you're going through is maybe has nothing to do with you, Personally, it's not punishment from God. It's an opportunity from God to prove your faith. And it's an opportunity 
to reach other people. Look around you. Everything you're going through, might, God might be allowing you to go through for somebody else's benefit, for somebody else's ultimate salvation, for somebody else's comfort. And you are the instrument that God's going to use to transfer and transfuse the comfort that he has given you to comfort somebody else. Remember that verse we looked at in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12? Look what verse 13 says after it. Verse 12 again, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. But look what he says next. But rejoice that you may participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Now, what is he talking about there? He's saying rejoice in that you, you didn't just buy in and, and trust Jesus Christ and get the fire insurance policy from hell and then just compartmentalize Jesus in every other area of your life. He says rejoice that you went through suffering because when Jesus' glory is revealed, and when's that? When he comes back. Remember, when he's coming back, and next time he's not coming as a baby, remember he's coming back on the charger and the armies of heaven are following him, and he's coming back with power and majesty. He says, so that when all that happens, you can be overjoyed. And why will you be overjoyed? Because you've lived this life. Not seeking what you can get out of it but what you can contribute to it in others. And so that you can get up on that, that, that award platform and you can stand there knowing that, that you've invested your life in a cause bigger than yourself and knowing that, that, that you will have done whatever is possible to prepare for that moment that you will be able to stand before Jesus and he'll be able to justifiably lavish eternal rewards on you, lavish eternal positions on you, get, put you in charge of 10 cities, five cities, maybe an entire kingdom. And oh, what a happy time that's gonna be. I, I can just imagine tears running down our cheek of joy, being praised by the one who died on the cross for us. And not being like that believer described in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that we talked about. Who will get there. But as one has passed through the flames on the way. Nothing there that Jesus can justifiably reward us for. And it says, if his life is examined, it's been worthwhile, he'll be rewarded. And if not, it says what? He'll suffer loss. There will be a consciousness of what could have been. That's what James is talking about in those who will receive that crown of life. James declares in James 1.12, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. See, that's the reward. And crowns are not given, remember, just as heavenly bling. It's not going to be a trophy you sit on your heavenly mansion. What he's talking about is responsibility. What he's talking about is ownership because you'll have been found faithful. 
Paul sums it up this way. His letter to the Romans in New Testament manuscript, chapter 8, verse 18, Paul says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. No matter how hard our life is, no matter how long that trial is, no matter how, what, a, what great degree that suffering might be, Paul says, I count that as nothing. In other passages, he relates it to his suffering. And I tell you what, you want to talk about somebody who can walk the walk and talk the talk, Paul's that person. He's not just talking theoretically that you should, you should bear up under and persevere under suffering. He, from the moment he trusted Jesus Christ as his Savior on the Damascus Road, his life was characterized by constant suffering, constant trials, beat, imprisoned, stoned and left for dead, shipwrecked three times, constantly being, being, being beat up and thrown out of one city after another for the cause of Jesus Christ. He knew what he was talking about. He's the one that said, well, for me to die is gain. For me to live is Christ. It's more of this. But he said, you know what? He says, I count it as nothing. In other places, he says, you know what? My suffering, my suffering is like dung. It's like manure. That's, that's what it, it amounts to compared to what it's going to yield. Faithful perseverance. One of the greatest areas that Christ is going to reward us for. So, what will we be rewarded for when we stand before Jesus Christ. Not punishment. Get that out of your mind. And I know right now there's a lot of thoughts going through your head and saying, oh man, oh man, oh man. But not punishment. Opportunity. And what will be the criteria? What can we take from here every day for the rest of our life as the criteria for which Jesus Christ is going to reward us? Well, our family buy-in. I mean, how much do you honor? How much do you treasure your family name? How much value do you put on having been adopted into the kingdom of God? How much do you really love them with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength? Well, Largely, that will be evidenced by our personal productivity, how much fruit we bear. By our management reliability, by using that which we have been entrusted with that really belongs to God and manage it for his kingdom and for his purpose and for the welfare of others, not just our own. For faithful perseverance through the trials, many trials that are going to come, and they'll be repeated in our life. Now, let's look at that question we started out with in a different light this morning. Are you rapture ready? Are you eternity ready? Are you ready? Not punishment. Are you prepared to stand on the platform today. Do you feel like, okay, I'm ready. All right, bring it on. 
before a, a season, football, baseball, basketball, hockey, golf, whatever, oftentimes you have sports commentators and they're, they're talking to athletes and they say, so, so, so are you ready? What do you think is going to happen this year? How's the team going to perform? How are you going to perform individually? Same thing was true of these Olympic athletes. I've seen interview interview before they've done their thing. And they said, well, you know what? I've trained hard. I've put the hours in. I've given it my all. I've, I've, I've had blood, sweat, and tears. I've done everything I can possibly do to prepare for this race, for this season, for whatever. And I'm ready. I'm excited. Put me on the starting blocks. Put me on the top of the ski jump. Put me, put me on the field. I'm ready to go. I'm excited. It's going to be a great year. See? And they say that because they've given it their all. Now, is that how I feel? Have I given it my all? Am I ready to get on the field? Am I ready to go to the award banquet? Or do I need some more time? This morning, are you rapture ready? Are, are, are you okay? Are, are you in the place in your life where you said, okay, no, I'm good. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to stand before the Lord. Uh, he'll be able to justifiably reward me. I'm not going to be one of those First Corinthians chapter 3 people who barely get there, and I only get there because of the love and the grace of, of Jesus Christ in my life, and I've got really nothing else. Yeah, yeah, I'm not one of those folks. Oh, I'm, I'm good. I'm ready. See, that's the question we've got to ask. That's the question we've got to live and answer every day. But here's the good news. You have opportunity. Now, I know right now what some of us are thinking. Some of us are thinking, it's too late for me. There's a lot of us in the service today that, that we're, we're in the twilight of our lives. We got less in front of us than we got behind us. And when we contemplate that, that thought, a lot of us are going, man, I wish I'd have known back when I was 20 what you're talking about now. I wish I'd have known when I was 30 or when I was 40. Well, next week, I have a message that I want to share to conclude this series that will give everyone thinking that way hope and joy and excitement. On the other hand, you might be here this morning and, and you're young. Oh, the opportunity you have. Uh, one of my favorite expressions is you can't put an old head on young shoulders, but I wish you could. And every other person with, with silver hair this morning would say the same thing. Wish I could take my head and I wish I could take my life experiences oh, to the, these young people, these beautiful young folks like my friend Orion here. And I'd say, Ryan, I wish I could put this head on you. And so you could avoid some of the mistakes I've made. Amen. Youngsters, you got your whole life. But don't make the mistake of saying, oh, I'm young, I've got plenty of time. I'll, I'll do it when I get to my 40s. I'm going to live it up now in my 20s. You don't know that you've got the 40s. You don't know you've got the 30s. You've got today. Use it for your 
benefit. Use it so that God can one day bless you in ways that you can't imagine. And that's his passion. Not punishment. Get that idea out of your head. This is reward. This is him saying, I've got so much for you. I want to do so much for you. I want to bless you with things your eye has never seen, things your ear has never heard, things that have never entered into the imagination of your heart. And I've given you the formula. I've given you the criteria by which I'm going to bless you. Don't waste a day. Don't waste an hour. He's just as excited for you to be ready as you should be to be ready. Now, are any of us fully ready? Probably not. And I have no doubt that when I stand on that, that platform and I see what could have, I have no doubt that I'm going to go, oh, Pete. Again, that little course I share with you. By and by, when I look on his face, beautiful face, thorn-shadowed face, by and by, when I look on his face, I'll wish I had given him more. I guarantee no one's going to stand up and say, you know what, I gave a whole lot too much time to church. I spent a whole much time in that ministry. I gave far too much of my money to the Lord. I gave far too much of my time to the Lord. I guarantee there's not one of us going to be thinking that. I guarantee there'll be a lot of us thinking, oh. God loves you so much. Know that. His predisposition isn't punishment. It's reward. What did Jesus say? Jesus is excited when he says, I'm coming soon. My reward's with me. And I'll give to everyone according to what he's done. He's excited about that. It's not a warning. It's an admonition. It's saying, get ready, I'm coming Party time is coming. The award ceremony's coming. Eternity's coming. Let's be ready. It's going to be so exciting because I'm going to put an end to sin. I'm going to put an end to sickness. I'm going to put an end to pain. I'm going to put an end to all that kind of stuff. And oh, have we got an eternal life to live together. That's what it's about. Are you ready? Let's bow our heads. Are you ready? I don't know what the Holy Spirit's saying to you, but I know he's talking to you, every one of us. He's talking to you right now. What's he saying? And more importantly, how tender are you to yield to what he's saying? Maybe you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You don't know where you're going to spend eternity. You hope you're going to go to heaven, but you don't really know that. Oh, no one's looking around, and I won't embarrass you in any way. But if that's you here today, and there's, there's uncertainty in your relationship with God, there's uncertainty in your mind, in your heart, in your soul about where you're going to spend eternity. No one's looking around. Would you just lift your hand and say, Pete, that's me. Pray for me. Pray for me. Yes, you can put your hand down. Anyone else? Pray for me. I don't know. Now, for you who raised your hand and those who should have, right now, 
receive God's love. He loves you. Jesus died on the cross for you. And this adoption, this eternal gift, is a gift. You don't have to earn it. In fact, you can't earn it. All you can do is receive it. And you receive it just by asking for it in faith, believing that Jesus really is the way and the truth and the life and that no one will come to the Father except through him. Maybe you pray something like, God, I confess that I'm a sinner. I've done things wrong. I know that. And God, I get it now that even one of those wrong things disqualifies me from eternal life from you, and I've got many. And there's nothing I can ever do to take those back. I can't have a a life do-over. What's done is done. I can't change it. So I can't change my destiny. That's why Jesus died on the cross. He can. And so, Jesus, I'm asking you to change my destiny this morning. I'm putting my faith in your sacrifice on the cross. Jesus, pay my sin debt with your blood. Jesus, be my Savior. Today I believe on the name of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, for eternal life. You know, the Bible declares, 1 John 5, 13, These things are right to you who believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. If you just asked God for that gift, he gave it to you. He will always fulfill his promise. Whosoever shall believe on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Most of us here have already made that decision. So right now, I want to pray for you. God, I pray for these amazing men and women here today who love you. And that's why they're here. Lord, I pray that you might open our eyes. That's what Paul said, that we might know you better. And that we might understand your word better. Lord, help us now to open our lives even more to you. And help us to understand that that there's an exciting day coming. There's an exciting opportunity coming. And every day, you give us hundreds of opportunities to prepare for that day. But help us to understand right now, we're in training. Just like an Olympic athlete, before the Olympic starts, goes into training. And a football team and players and, and whatever it is, they go into training. And that's what we are right now. We're in training. Lord, help us to take our training seriously because the reward is so much greater than anything we could ever imagine. Lord, comfort our hearts with your presence. Holy Spirit, challenge us to new levels of family buy-in, of personal productivity, of management reliability, and of faithful perseverance. For your glory here on earth and for our glorification in the life to come. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Oh, there's exciting times coming. Are you ready? Next week, we'll conclude the series. And again, I'm especially going to be reaching out to those who are struggling with those feelings right now that I've blown it. It's too late for me. No, it's not. And I'm going to show you why that's true from the Word of God.